Welcome back to another episode of the Grow a Fanbase podcast. Today's guest is an absolute legend. Nick Ingvall is on the show, and it would be easier to list the things Nick hasn't done than the things that he has. Nick has laid the foundation for content at multiple organizations such as NiceKicks.com, Soul Collector, Finish Line, Complex Media, and StockX. He's the host of his own podcast, Sneaker History, that has over 500,000 downloads. And he's one of the nicest and most generous human beings on the planet. He's responsible for connecting me to 90% of the people that I know in the sneaker industry. Uh, Nick and I first met years ago through a mutual friend, shout out Matt Turney, and we instantly clicked and we've talked just about every single day since then. In this episode, we talk about sneakers, of course, marketing strategy, and leadership. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Grow a Fanbase podcast, where I interview people from all different walks of life, uh, content creators. We've had YouTube uh, sneaker unboxers. We've had kids in Illinois that are starting a band, and they've got songs on the radio. And now I've got, I'm going to call him a legend, because he's a legend to me, and he is probably not going to like that I just called him a legend, because he's one of the most humble uh, guys out there. But if you've ever purchased a shoe from Finish Line, StockX, um, Red Content on NiceKicks.com back in the day, picked up an, uh, a hard copy of the Soul Collector magazine, binged a bunch of articles on Complex.com, Basically, this guy's responsible for laying the foundation at all of those different organizations and companies. I've got none other than Mr. Nick Ingvall on today's episode. Nick, thank you, man, so much for coming on today. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for that. That's a, a yeah. Sorry, one of the best intros I've had. But yeah, I, I maybe I should. I, I, part of my takeaway at this point in life is I, I got to embrace what I have done. So yeah, I appreciate that. You have done. I think it would be a shorter list to list out what you haven't done than what you've actually done and the companies you've helped. I mean, you and I've worked together, and all between those things. I mean, I think I probably listed seven or eight different companies. You also have done your own thing in between, you know, some of those companies as well. So when do you sleep, man? Like, when do you <laughs> get rest? You know, it's it's definitely challenging sometimes. I've I'm I'm a I'm kind of a night owl that loves to wake up early, which is the worst combination for sleep. But you know, I I. I just I get excited about things doing stuff people doing stuff and I, I get excited to help people out so you know it, it kind of fuels me and I feel like it's one of those weird things where I don't know if it's I don't know if people really feel this way but I feel like when I'm consistently working out and going to the gym I can actually sleep a little bit less because my body is just moving and I think for me that's the same in business and storytelling and content creation so um yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not it's not it's not for everybody, but I definitely enjoy the life that I've you know kind of thrown myself into. I will tell you. Hold on, let me. What? What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What? What? Scissors? There. Go where all the spoons and forks and everything are. You can get scissors there. This might get pushed out next year with all this editing. Um, <laughs> 
So you mentioned you mentioned going to the gym, man. I have actually uh, started going to the gym myself for the past six weeks. I have not seen a gym in probably five years. Uh, you know, kids and all that fun stuff. Yep. I mean, well, basically, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, every excuse in the book, I probably came up with it. Um, but dude, it has been the best thing for me just mentally and getting up and going over there and knocking out 90 minutes of like a workout. It's been phenomenal. So kudos to, you know, you and balancing everything that you do and then also getting in the gym. And I will say, man, yes, you, you probably are one of the very few people that I know that genuinely like helping others, right? Like, I mean, I think behind the scenes, you might be the one that's always connecting the dots. I mean, you, you're you responsible for Jock being a force field ambassador because you said, hey, man, like, yeah, I can, I can send him a message and he's going to respond and we're tight and all that versus like me trying to slide into his DMs and be like, <laughs> hey, man, like, Want to be a, you know, influencer for a sneaker protector and you don't have a clue who I am, but yeah, you are so passionate about helping others and connecting people. And I do appreciate and love that about you and your character and your personality. Um, all right. So you, you have a wonderful sneaker collection. Um, I guess we should probably also tell everybody. So Nick and I work together a little bit uh he ran and managed all of the social media for force field which was a brand that i was managing through m plus um it's actually my first a quote-unquote adult real job um which is crazy to say because i was like 32 (laughs) at the time um so but that's another story for another day uh but matt um blanking on Matt's name, but Sneakerbox, uh, last name. Oh, Matt Turney, yeah. Yes, he's the reason you and I connected, because he introduced me to you, and then he introduced me uh, to the guy that started the Agenda Trade Show. Yeah. And, um, and his name's escaping me as well. But Is uh, that Aaron? Yes, Aaron. Aaron Levant, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So you and I connect and then we kind of build a a relationship and I had, you know, I had the need for somebody to come on, help run all the social media um, for force field because I just didn't have time to do it and manage the brand and all the retailer relations and you crushed it. So you came on the scene, you crushed it, then you introduced me to everybody um, that's basically been on this podcast um, already. Uh, I'm running out of people, so you might need to introduce me to a few more. Um, so that's how Nick and I know each other, and we have a, a giant passion in um, for sneakers, and that's kind of how we also connect on a, on a different level, which is really weird to, to say as a grown adult now. I mean, all my friends who don't get it don't understand. Um, yeah. But, man, I still talk to people that I met when I was, like, 12 years old on sneaker chat rooms, like, and it's... It's yeah, weird. and I'm 39. And the but. funniest part about that is like I can't remember the last time you and I, or Jacques and I, or even Matt, who you mentioned, have actually talked about sneakers. Like, no, we don't talk about sneakers. I mean, I'm big into sneakers. I, I will. Yep. You've got a pair behind you. I've got them behind me. It'll always be a part of me. But like, you just you grow past that. You know, it's just yep. a passion that connected us, and then all of a sudden it turns into like a real, you know, meaningful friendship. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah we talk about great. more things. I mean, me, you, and Jock in a in a group text, like talk about 
probably 1% sneakers, 99% life. Yep. And things <laughs> we're going through and, you know, how do we grow a business and scale and, and, hey, I've got this idea. Do you think it's crazy? And nine times out of 10, it is. But we still, like, we go back and forth on it, right? So, yep. all right, let's go all the way back to the beginning for you and sneakers. What first uh, got you interested in collecting sneakers? Uh, you know, I think it's just really kind of growing up with not much and, and like it was really a way to, to feel seen in the world, I guess. And, yep. you know, my brother and I used to love drawing sneakers. We, we would circle them in the East Bay catalog, which, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years, 30 years. And I get to like build the East Bay blog from nothing, yeah. you know? So I, I don't, I can't remember a specific moment other than I just remember, I remember drawing air bubbles and Nike, you know, we made our own hybrid Nike shoes, you know, just sketching shoes when we were kids. And, you know, it just kind of grew into something. There was always the connection to skateboarding and basketball. And I mean, I'm a big baseball guy. So as soon as that evolved into, you know, King Griffey Jr. And, and that kind of stuff, it was like, this is every part of my life can be connected through this one thing. And everybody has a story to tell if they're wearing a pair of sneakers, you know, yeah. and that, and I, I say that not in like a sneakerhead perspective. I mean, you know, my stepfather wore a pair of chucks all my childhood and he would never, he would, he was working in boots, but he was wearing chucks on the weekends. And at that time, I never really, I always thought, oh, I don't want chucks because that's not the cool shoe, you know? But then <laughs> yeah. in hindsight, it's like, he, he, it was part of his story, you know, like that's who he was. And like, that was a part of, you know, his story. And I think that's something that, I just love that, you know, like, I love that you can kind of, you can talk to anybody through just saying, Hey, I like those shoes. What's up with them? Tell me about you. Yeah. And, and that's taken me a long ways, you know, like it's gotten me to meet great people like you and Jacques and, you know, so I, I don't remember a specific start of it, but it, it just kind of has always been a part of who I am through high school and college and all of that. So. I feel like we're the same person because I would, I, sneakers for me was definitely like, I want to be cool in sixth grade, right? And we had the East Bay catalog and we're on the bus and everybody's circling. I mean, it's like, it's the Air Jordan 11s and the Penny 2s and like, you know, everybody's like, okay, whose parents are going to like let them skip school because they used to come out on Wednesdays, right? So, Who's going to skip first period when finish line to open up a little early and go get them? Um, and yep. Yeah, man, it was it was all about I will say it and I will own it because it was all about trying to be cool for me. But then it morphed into so much more. I mean, it turned into, OK, like I love learning about the um, the stories behind the designs. And, you know, then I started to get invested into, OK, well, who's designing these shoes? And then I started learning about like Tinker and all those guys. And it just a whole different world opens up when you start looking at it from all sorts of different lenses. Yeah, 100% agree. And a little like so a little bit insight story into like how deeply I was invested into this, like even as like a 12 year old, 13 year old, my I have two brothers and a sister. And, you know, you would think, oh, you know, you're it's good enough to share, but the East Bay catalog was free. So <laughs> yeah. we all signed up for our own individual one. And then we signed our mom up for one. So we had a household one that way. There was always one that was kind of floating around the house and then they were just kind of everywhere, you know, like 
back of the toilet, stuffed under your pillow because it was like, oh, you're going turn the lights out. Oh no, I got I'm I'm gonna flip through the catalog and, and yeah. look at you know sneakers and jerseys and all that fun stuff. So yep. Man, the coolest thing for me is I actually um got my hands on a Nike catalog. You know, when the reps used to have like those huge, thick, like 200 page, you know, almost like, you know, they were spiral bound and yep. flipping through like, all right, what's coming out spring of next year. And man, that's when I hit like the ultimate school bus, like cool kid ride was like, hey, you got East Bay? I've got everything that's coming out like next spring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> All right, now why why content? Like, what do you love about creating content? And I guess we can go specific, but like, why do you love creating content around sneakers? Uh, I mean, I think it's just being able to connect to people. You know, it's it's I, as you know all too well. Like, I like to talk. I could I could talk for hours about anything that I'm passionate about. And when I find things that people are passionate about, I love to hear their stories. And I think that you know it's evolved from the way I got into it. Like I, I really love writing. Like that's always been something that's been like kind of a, uh, almost meditation in a sense, you know, like yeah. when I'm, I know I can look back on my life and be like, Oh, was I either journaling or, or blogging regularly or even, you know, other forms of it. If I wasn't doing that, I was probably mentally in a worse state. And so it's been a, it's a, it's a lot of release like for me, so that started the whole journey, you know, like my journey into sneakers to, you know, kind of actually get a real job, so to speak. Um, my dad had a seizure and uh, ha had a small business. He was doing like kind of consulting work in the computer world. Um, this is, you know, mid mid 2000s, early 2000s, somewhere around there. And, you know, back then he was he was teaching classes on behalf of eBay to get people to use eBay. Like that's how long ago it was. Right. <laughs> wow. Um, but he had a seizure in California. They take away your driver's license for either six months or a year. So it was kind of a, a turning point for him to like one, lose your driver's license for that time. But I was doing sales for AT&T back then and um, kind of like had, had moved from like working on like electronics, car electronics, and like, you know, just working in a shop to like doing sales for AT&T. And then when that happened, I kind of threw that all out the window and was like, okay, well, I, I can, I can just help you with, with the work that you're doing and yeah. we'll make sure the business, you know, stays afloat. And we did that for a while. Uh, I was kind of his, his driver of sorts and, you know, take him to the classes that he was teaching and his, his you know, meetings and stuff. And, um, you know, one of the meetings, if you're listening, Dad, I, I love you, but like it's boring watching the same class over and over again. So I am. Um, gonna, I I'm going to send this to your dad, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, would, I would sit in the back of the class and, and you know, listen to him do his thing. But like I, I was already also I already learned from him. I was already selling yeah. on eBay. I had a whole little parts car parts business at that time. It wasn't it was barely making any money, but I was learning the ropes and stuff. And so I kind of like moved into like writing and I, I started, I, this is probably 2006 or something like that to maybe even 2005. So there's not really sneaker blogs. That's not a thing. There's message boards, Nike yep. talk and all that. Um, and I basically just was like, I'm going to just write the story of me getting into sneakers. 
and, you know, talk about drawing shoes with my brother. You know, the Jordan 4 Military Blues was always my favorite because it was like I'd never seen it before until I, you know, kind of became an adult and like saw everything else. To your point about those catalogs. Well, you'll be happy they're coming out this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, I get to spend more money on sneakers. Yeah, there but. you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wrote that story and and never really finished it. Ended up, uh, you know, moving to Austin, Texas and had actually planned on like working like I don't I had actually lined up a job at um like a car shop and basically the Sunday night before I was supposed to start on Monday I'm on Craigslist thinking like it would be so cool to like get a writing job like that's what I really wanted to do is like try to do some writing try to do something with something that I was passionate about not that I wasn't passionate about the car stuff it was just like it seemed like I'd already gone through that phase of like working in that space yeah so Lo and behold, I get on Craigslist at like midnight on Sunday night, should be asleep, but I'm just like a li- maybe a little nervous about the new job and stuff. And there's an ad for somebody that knows sneakers and knows a little bit of how to write. And I was like, that's all me. I literally wrote the email. I said, hey, my name's Nick. I just moved to Austin. This is a story I haven't finished, but here's like three or four pages of my story of why I like sneakers. And within like 20 minutes or so, I get an email back from that and it's Matt and Allison from nice kicks. And, uh, you know, like I, I didn't go to the job. I went to the interview at nice kicks instead. And thankfully it, it paid off and I've been kind of on a roll working with all these sneaker companies for the last 15 going on 20 years, you know? So So you got your start from a Craigslist ad. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, like to, to, uh, like, I love talking to people. I love networking, you know, like I'm, I'm very much a, you know, just do what's right and, you know, reap the benefits later type person. So, you know, like any, anybody that I met that I knew that was into sneakers, whether they were working in sneakers or just a fan and somebody on a message board at that time. You know, I've just stayed in touch with everyone and, and, you know, like tried to maintain as many of the relationships as I could because, you know, it's something it's something special to be able to get to to be paid to be a part of, you know, that world. And, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely not the most lucrative world if you're working on the no. corporate side. <laughs> no. But, um, you know, it, it also kind of keeps me it keeps me fresh. You know, like I get older, the kids that are into sneakers are still younger, so they're keeping me on my toes about what's hot, what's coming out. And that, that all kind of ties back into social and creating content where like, you know, I I love the ideation aspect of, of like, Hey, this is the problem. How do we find the solution? Whether that's a sneaker business or, you know, a a, a local coffee shop, I think that they are very similar, you know, approaches. And I think content is, is the best way for people to tell their stories, to get meaningful business out of it. Yeah. not the, you know, hey, you're just driving driving by and you stopped at Starbucks. Like we all do that, but like how do we how do how do you drive past and, and say, Oh, that's the local mom and pop coffee place that so and so talked about on yep. this, that, and the other, and now I've gotta go there and see it. That's when you get that, that's when you know you're you're doing some some good stuff. So. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm a firm believer that stories are what connects us to each other. They connect us to businesses. I mean, that connects yeah. everything, right? And You know, I mean, I think the companies and organizations that win tell the best stories and they go that extra layer deep. They they go a little bit more raw, a little bit more real. 
Um, I've always found in my career that anytime we kind of, you know, peeled back the curtain a little bit and we showed the guts of what we were working on and the behind the scenes and like the struggles and the reality of everything, that's what resonated the most with our audience, right? Instead of yeah. rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and sunny and 70, it was like, no, 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 actually like we did 30 takes on this one video. This yeah. is the cool process behind it, yep. right? Then here's the cool video that we did. Yeah, totally. And even even a step beyond that, it's like, you know, I've worked with so many companies that just don't really have a budget to do much with it. But it's like you can you can do it. You know, you don't yep. you need you need everybody's got a phone in their hand that that will work magic if they put the effort in. And, yep. you know, it, not to say that that's always the best way, because there there's definitely value in having, you know, the production and, and the plans and all of that and the resources, you know, people on the teams to make it all happen. But I think like if you if you step back and think about it, you know, no matter what size the business is, if you get the right person to, to grab the phone and do something that that really conveys the message of what the business is about or what the organization is about. Yeah, then that's that's sometimes enough to change an entire strategy for a whole big company, because it's like, oh, that's why kids like this or that's why this that and the other group like what we do. Yep. And now all of a sudden, instead of it going, oh, we didn't set aside budget for this you see like, oh, that's what happens when you just barely do it. Now imagine if you invest in that kind oh, of content, yeah. invest in those stories, it's going to return, you know, exponentially for most of those people. So yeah, I oh, love yeah. that stuff, man. I love that stuff. Yeah, I've got a, a he's actually was on uh, the podcast, but Jake Failing, he's chief marketing officer for Movement Mortgage. And he's got this whole thing for his team of just hit record. Yeah. Just hit record. Just do it. Just try it. Just hit record and see what happens. Right. Yep. Yep. So, totally. all right. So you end up at nice kicks through Craigslist, which is incredible. And then, so you're, you're helping Matt, um, who would be a wonderful one for the podcast. Actually, uh, yeah. that guy has absolutely grown a fan base. Um, but then you land over at soul collector, right? Yep. So how did that happen? Uh, you know, I, I'm from California. I'm kind of one of those diehard California people that's likely never leaving. And uh, I've moved around a lot to experience other places, but I kind of always find my way back. And I had been in Austin. Uh, you know, I, I moved there primarily for the girl I was seeing at the time. We broke up. I was in Austin kind of by myself for Six Isn't that typically so. how it always happens? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, I, and, and in hindsight, like, that now. It was it was rough emotionally, but it was good for me to kind of break out of my shell and, yeah. and kind of go after things. So I'm thankful for the experience. But that was really the the kind of driver of like, you know, I kind of wanted to be back home or at least close to home. Um, you know, my my brother was, you know, getting close to having his first kid. And it was like, you know, I just I just wanted to be around. Um, and I just, you know, like being into sneakers, you spend so much time on the ISS forums, Soul Collector forums. Yep. Nike talk. Um, and I, I don't even remember what I posted, but Nick DePaula from Soul Collector saw that, saw something that I'd moved back to California and wasn't working for Nice Kicks. And um, he basically hit me up and was like, hey, I need somebody to help, you know, run the blog here. So they were kind of still trying to figure out the blog part of it. You know, Soul Collector was known for forums and, and the community really drove that. Um, but I, I was, I, would, I wouldn't say I was like prominent in that community. But I was a part of that community well before Nice Kicks, so 
yep. it kind of just turned into like, Hey, a lot of these people already know who I am. They know my screen name and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I started doing that. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing about the role with soul collector was, uh, nobody wanted to go to Wisconsin because East Bay was in Wisconsin and, you know, I understand like they were all, most of them were living in Portland or, or, you know, Steve was in Florida and, you know, it's, it's not the funnest thing to go do that when these guys are getting to do full on interviews and photo shoots yep. and like centerfold press, you know, stuff for, for the magazine. So I said, I'll take care of it. You know, like they sent me up there a couple of times. Um, and like, I just started building relationship with those, with the people at East Bay. And we basically built the first kind of corporate, you know, blog isn't even the right word. I mean, we called it a blog, but it was really like taking the magazine approach to content for a big business because, you know, we could talk about sneakers all day. We could connect the soul collector audience to the sneakers in that way. But, you know, I got to write about Steven Strasburg getting drafted, you know, in the, yeah. by the, by the nationals. I got to write about Bryce Harper. I got to write about, you know, what shoes the guys were wearing in the NCAA tournament. You know, it, it expanded my kind of scope of, of what I was able to cover and how I learned to, to write, you know, my, about more diverse topics, which ultimately like led into like all the other stuff I've done, you know, like I've done copywriting, I've done like product descriptions, you know, it's been a long time since I've done that stuff for myself, but like that's, those are the teams that I end up leading now where it's like, you know, my experience in not focusing on the sneakerhead community and being like, Hey, this is, you know, this is a mom in Ohio that we're trying to talk to right now. Like you've got to think about that in the way that you create content. And, you know, that really kind of opened up a lot of opportunities for me because it was, it was a big deal at the time. And and I look back on it now and it's like, it was so, it was so long ago. And so much of that stuff from that era, just it's almost like, I know I, this is not a bad thing, but it's like almost embarrassing as to like how far we've come in such a short time with like yeah. what people can do and what's cap what you know businesses are capable of doing so but um, you but were you were a pioneer though if you look at it that way right like i mean you guys were the first one of the first to like do it and and i think you know i mean and we talked about it before we hit record but one of the things that i've always felt that you just have an absolute natural ability to do is you lay the solid foundation everywhere you go right so nice kick soul collector um, stock X. I mean, who hasn't, if you're breathing and have a pulse, you've heard of stock stock X, you know, and if you're somewhat into fashion and sneakers, but like you were like the original guy at stock X that put it all on the map. Hold yeah. On. I, I think what, what you need, what you need. No, I got to finish this. You're making my editing really difficult. <laughs> Do you want to say hi to Mr. Nick? No. Okay. Can you give us, like 10, 15 more minutes and then I'm all you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Love you. Take your scooter. You can go, you can use your scooter inside. It'd be brutal editing. I might just leave it in. Why not? <laughs> just the raw reel behind the scenes of yeah, trying yeah, totally. to record while your daughter is homesick. Yep, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, going back to like starting things, I, I get really excited when people are like, coming with fresh new changes, whether that's starting a new business or, or like really just trying to revamp a business. There's a lot of, there's a lot of enjoyment for me and fulfillment for me 
in those moments of like kind of setting things in the right direction and laying the groundwork and, you know, just, it's not standardizing, but just being able to share my experiences to say like, Hey, you might not work in this space. You might've not, not have ever picked up a phone to create content before, but like, there's just a few things you could do to set yourself above and beyond starting fresh. And yeah. Um, you know, like even just in the other places I've worked, you know, like complex, media was such a massive thing but like i i signed up for complex sneakers on my phone you know like i took on that you know i went there after soul collector um russ bankston who is you know the og sneaker writer from slam yeah. magazine uh so he he basically posted a job on twitter he's like i need to hire some help in new york and i i reposted it and i was like this would be a cool job for anybody that loves sneakers i would go for this and he dm'd me and was like well if you want to move to New York, we'll give you the job. And I was like, I guess I'm moving to New York then, you know, like, cause he, you know, you can't really turn down that opportunity. No. It, it was just no. like, I had done a lot of cool stuff, you know, but like that puts you on the map on a whole new level, which oh, you know, yeah. that, that connected me to, you know, Josh Luber and StockX before, you know, like I was, I was contracting for StockX before I took the job. So employee number nine officially, but like, probably number six or seven just based yeah. on the, being a part of it. And, and now there's what thousands of people that work there. Thousands. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's, and I love, I love that aspect of it. You know, like that's, that's really also where I think just in like the consulting business that I have, like that ends up being the place where, you know, even, even with you at, at force field and M plus at that time, right. It was like, Oh, cool. New energy in the company with you coming on board yep. and like being able to push where the things were to this new place where like, Oh, now you've got a couple of people that are involved. Now the influencer thing can happen. You know, those types of things, you know, I, I, I somehow seem to find my way right back to that, you know, whether it's, it's something that's new starting and I get excited to be a part of that process or it's a, a change that a company goes yeah. through and like acquisition happens. So yeah, I've, I'm just lucky to have, I mean, I feel like I, you and I and, and Jacques talk about this a lot, but I feel like I just right time, right place, stumbled into doing a bunch of things that I really am passionate about. And, you know, like I think, you know, my 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 real skill set in all of that is just like being able to get people excited about it too. You know, like I for lack of a better way of putting it, I just won't shut up. If there's something I like and I want to do, you're gonna hear about it, you know, like You've heard all those bad ideas for years, yeah, but like yeah. we're still pushing forward with these bad yeah. ideas, you know? And then, then you're like, well, maybe that, that bad idea we've been doing for five, 10 years isn't so bad, you know? That's so. it. We actually kind of panned out a little bit, but I think, <laughs> I think you, you and I are pretty similar. I think, uh, cause I know this about myself. I am a ground up guy. Like I kind of am very similar to like what you were saying with the energy and coming in with new things. I don't believe I've ever started a job or taken on a client or anything where they have it all figured out, right? And, and I enjoy that. I love yeah. sort of like being at the ground level and looking up and going, okay, that's a mountain, but we're going to climb it, you know, and we're going to figure it out and we might, you know, fall down it a few times, but yep. we're going to get to the top at some point. And where people are all just like engaged, they're bought in and everyone's hungry, ready and willing to do the work. Right. Yeah. Yep. Totally. So what would you say has been your biggest lesson learned 
uh, along the way, you know, throughout your career? Uh, you know, I think it's a combination of things. It's, it's, it's one, just don't stop and just be consistent. You know, like I sometimes struggle with both of those things, but you know, when you're, when you're starting a new thing or you're trying to, not that everything is wrong, but like write the ship for a company as a consultant, it's really just basically about like saying, Hey, every Thursday, this happens. And we're not going to make any excuses until we get into the habit where this is so natural on Thursdays. And it doesn't even have to be like an important meeting. It could be going to get coffee with somebody every yeah. Thursday that changes the entire trajectory of a company. But it's really that consistency and commitment to that, that, that like, you know, to me, like if I look back at, at any of the things that I've accomplished, it was really just part of that laying the groundwork and part of that being committed and consistent with it that all lines up to make for those those successful changes and and even even when i look back and look at the bad things that that i'm you know maybe i'm not as proud of or things where things didn't work out the way we would have wished they would have worked for a business th that's always it it's always consistency that that you know we somehow drop the ball in one of the many ways you can in any you know content that you're creating or stories that you're telling so well, I think that is the hardest thing for people to do is like stay consistent with things. I mean, it's easy to have the ideas, right? And it's easy to like, you know, get lost in like, why are you honking a horn right now as I'm trying to record? <laughs> Ella, 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 give me like 10 minutes. No, seriously, we're almost done. She's literally honking her bike horn. Hold on. <laughs> let me, I'll be, let me, let okay, me. I'll get situated. Yep. Come on. So this seems like a wonderful time to tell you that you can go to growafanbase.com and listen to all of the other episodes on there and learn a little bit more about the guests that are on the show. And then if I get around to it, all of these podcasts are actually filmed. And soon I'm going to edit all of the episodes, throw them on YouTube so you can actually watch the interaction between uh, my guests and I instead of just listening to our voices. All right, now that I think I've got my daughter <laughs> contained a little bit, let's get back to the last bit of Nick Ingvall's interview. Oh, she hadn't wanted anything to do with me all day until I do this. <laughs> yep. That's always how it works, man. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think it's easy to get lost in sort of like the whiteboard and have all the ideas up there. The hard part is actually executing and staying with it and consistent. And I think a lot of times people don't stay with something because they do it three or four or five times and they go, well, this isn't working. But yeah. yet, if they would have stuck with it for a dozen times... Or maybe even the one more time that they didn't do it, maybe then traction would have actually begun and started to build, right? And yep. I mean, it's like, I mean, I look at this thing that I'm doing with this podcast. I've done, you're my seventh interview. And I mean, I don't mind saying this out loud. Like there's 350 downloads for six episodes, right? So that's, yeah, that's pretty good, man. That's, that's a good not start. terrible, but like, it's like, 
you know, I mean, when you hear all the guys like on LinkedIn, like, oh, I launched a podcast and I have 5,000 downloads on yeah. episode one. It's like, well, you know what? Good for you. But I had 30, but it's no big deal. Um, well, and, and it's the consistency, you know, like yep. I, I would use our sneaker history podcast as an example, you know, like I had done podcasts with Jacques and Tiffany beers before that I had done a podcast with Jacques and Brandon Edler before that. And those podcasts never really, we never really had the consistency. We got seven or eight episodes. Maybe we got 10 episodes in a season and then we'd be like, okay, we got to take a break. I've had sneaker history now for this. This is, we're just over our fifth year. And the first probably, you know, six months was pre-COVID. And then during COVID, we were able to be consistent because everybody had the time. And since then, I've probably only missed less than five weeks That's in total. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is I'm not doing a one-on-one -on -one conversation every time. It's a group where it's like, hey, two of us can go, three of us can go. But, you know, we, not to brag but like this is the this is the time frame of being consistent right we just crossed over 500,000 downloads that's in, crazy in, in five years so like you know like it's just really you know I think too like it, this is probably the worst advice for like the hustle culture that exists out there right now but I would say just wait a week wait two weeks like take yeah. the time to prepare for those things because I, I I am guilty of this too like I will get so excited about something and I'll be like I just started a newsletter. I just started an, another podcast or whatever it is. But if I would have waited, if I would have recorded a podcast and waited two weeks and recorded a second one, it, it's helpful. Then I've got one banks. I've got another yeah. one to go. Same thing with newsletters. Same thing with, you know, like content in any way. Like the more you can step back and, and really get out of the like hustle culture is not the right word for for content. But like you don't have to post every day to be successful at using social media. Like you nope. just have to be consistent and strategic about it. And I think that's kind of backwards from a lot of the gurus that you hear out there that that, you know, and like I love listening to Gary Vee, but like like his approach to things does not work for the average consumer. You know, like most people can't do the amount of stuff he does. He has mm. teams of people that get to do that. And like, do I want to hear him say that? Yes, because it gets me motivated. But can I keep up with the pace that he expects from himself and from his team? Absolutely not. I'm a, I'm yeah. a one man band, you know. Yeah. So no, I can't. Not even close. Yeah. Well, and that's where like being strategic, right? So I would tell people and and clients and stuff like, hey, like your long form content is your Thanksgiving turkey, right? And then from that, you're able to make tons of leftovers and different dishes. So do you pull out? you know, a little video clip. Do you pull out, you know, let's say this podcast is my long form content. I mean, I can take, we've been recording, give or take, you know, almost 40 minutes now, minus air horn and having to <laughs> wrangle a small child. Uh, but I mean, dude, there's probably 10 clips, like three minutes long that I can pull out and like reuse and post on social and then a quote or whatever. Um, and that's all your leftovers after the main Thanksgiving meal, right? And yeah. so it's like, if you take the time to think about what is your long form strategic content and then pull everything off of that, man, you'll have content for days and you don't have to, you don't have to bake a turkey every single day, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I have a similar like approach to it that I use with most of my teams over the years and, and just my own kind of personal belief is like, I look at it as a triangle. It's a content triangle, right? It's like, 
everybody sees that crazy viral moment at the top and says, I want to repeat that. But that's not what brings business to your, you know, think of a viral moment and think of what business you were connected to it. Like, did you ever buy a product that was viral? Probably not. You know, no. like you could think of all those moments throughout the years and you've almost never bought the product unless you already knew the product and were into it. So like, to me that it's like your, your example of turkey dinner, right? Like the base is very much like the boring stuff. It's, it's words, it's photos. It's like making sure that when people come to your website or your social page, they're seeing everything that they need to know about you and they can choose what part of the offerings that you have that they're going to engage with. And then up from that, you get a little bit more focus and you get a little bit more in the weeds. So it's like, oh, these people really do know. And I really, really are the nerd like I am about this, that, yep. and the other, whether that's sneakers or sports or business, you know, it's all the same kind of thing. But People definitely only see the biggest moments, you know, out there. And I think that's the the challenge is like we've kind of social media has kind of set us up for that. And it doesn't really it doesn't really work that way. You know, it's 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 so much broader and so much more across the board approach to things that I think people really need to, to step back and look at. Yeah, I mean, I so when I was at a company, we launched a, a farm and then we launched an online meat business and. <laughs> We we had a Instagram story or a reel go viral in hundreds and thousands of views, right? You know how many pieces of meat we sold off of that viral reel? Zero. Yep. <laughs> but it went viral, baby. It went yep. viral, but zero. You know, you know how many we sold on running like strategic AdWords campaigns and actually like, okay, what does it mean to be you know, hormone free and all natural and pasture raised and all those things, right? Like, and actually like educating and building the actual brand versus some silly video that a reel that went viral on Instagram. Yeah. Like, cool. A thousand likes is not a thousand dollars in your pocket. It's not even a dollar in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. So I know that you've led multiple teams at these organizations that you've been at. What is your leadership style? Um, I guess, uh, you know, I, I really just listen. I, I'm so much more of a listener when it comes to leading. I, I don't, I think it's a super underrated approach. You know, people think that they need to get on people to get things done or, or you know, be micromanaging all along the way. And I really just think that listening and empowering people is, is the best way to go about it. You know, like the, the teams that I've had that are most successful, you know, like the people get to run and feel like they can really bring the biggest ideas to the table. And, you know, may, maybe we don't get to execute on the most grandiose of them, but if you're, if you feel confident that you're going to one be credited for the ideas that you're bringing to the table and you can contribute to making them come to life. You know, you're, you're going to, you're going to continue to be excited to contribute. And I think yep. that also, I think is, is what makes teams work well together. You know, I think that, you know, when one of the most recent teams I've worked on, you know, like we, we just thinking of like the social team, we have, you know, a few people that are, kind of brainstorm session. And then we have, you know, a couple people that are on like the execution side of cutting up videos and, you know, but like some of the ideas come from the, the people that are, you know, more on the copy editing, like that you wouldn't think that, you know, those people 
based on an org chart would be the ones contributing the great ideas to a social platform or a video idea. But because the teams feel empowered to share those, those ideas with each other, you know, like we, I'm a big, I'm a big kind of on the brainstorming sessions. You know, I, I know that it's, it's not always the most time efficient depending on what kind of a, a business you're in. But if you can set aside, you know, like we, we basically do well, this last team, we would do an hour a week minimum, right? Where it's like, Hey, no matter what, if it, you know, I w- I'm, even if people are working remotely and, and they can't hop on, like take the time for yourself and, and bring yeah. it to the table after the fact and share it across, you know, Slack or whatever platform you're using to do that. Because ultimately, like, even if you don't do something in that moment coming out of a brainstorming session, it's like, Oh, th- there was a hundred great ideas here. We're only going to be able to execute on 20 of them you're already equipped for the next time you have this conversation with what's left on the paper. And then beyond that, those people can also that contributed something that maybe didn't make the cut the first time around feel like, Oh, maybe my idea will work this time around. And you know, like you refine those ideas, you kind of trim them down and, and like get them to a place where they can be become something. And, you know, to me, that's just like kind of all encompassing the way I approach leadership, you know, like it's, it's really given people the time to express themselves and understand where they're at within the company, but also just kind of given them, you know, the empowerment to, to be confident. You know, I think yeah, for me, like, you know, the, the most, one of the most memorable managers, two of the most memorable, memorable managers that I had when I worked in sales for AT&T, um, you know, I worked part-time. It was a little bit problematic because a lot of the people worked part, worked full-time, but, it was a commission, mostly a commission-based job. So like I went out not not on work hours and I made my money off of the commissions. So I would go after big, you know, let me sell to the state of California. Let me sell to, you know, an organization. Even though we weren't really trained properly to do that and it was off the clock, I knew that I could make a good amount of money and only be required to be in office 25, 30 hours a week. And my boss back then would take me to grab a cup of coffee and just give me 15 minutes every time I saw her to kind of like download what was going on, vent about things that I need to vent about, understand what was going on from her perspective. And it changed the way I managed forever. You know, like I, yeah. I'm a big proponent of just giving people the time because sometimes they just need that time. And, and, you know, I think the other thing is just communicating your expertise or your experience to those people, you know, like, the next, the other example I was thinking of is when I went to Complex. You know, I I was, I thought I was going to get fired. To be honest, like I was getting called into you know um, the office after after lunch one day, and it was like, okay, this is it. You know, like we Here aren't we hitting go. numbers or something. Yeah. And uh, I walked in, and they were like, hey, we want you to, you know, as I mentioned, I had signed up for the Complex sneakers accounts on my phone. You know, they we hadn't even set those up at the time, but I walked into the office, and it's, you know, the probably the if there's big wigs in a company, it was like the three or four biggest on the editorial team at complex. And, um, they said, Hey, you know, you've been doing good. We want you to run the sneakers stuff. And, um, that meant, you know, in theory meant being like Russ Bankson's boss for a little while, you know, like trying to get him to be, you know, as a part of a team in, in a different way than he was because Russ is like the best sneaker writer or sports writer. Oh, yeah. I think ever. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, that was like, wait, how can I possibly 
manage do that. You know, yeah. like I'm not going to tell like the guy I've kind of looked up to all my life. The what godfather to do. of writing about sneakers. Yeah. And it took a couple of weeks to kind of, you know, get comfortable with the new situation. But like after Russ and I talked, it was like, look, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good writer. And I feel confident in saying that, but sitting next to Russ, you feel less of a competent writer, you know? <laughs> um, but being able to say, Hey, like you are going to be able to do more of what you're great at. If I take the responsibilities of dealing with contributors, dealing with freelancers, managing the numbers, managing the analytics of the, of the teams and all of this stuff. So it worked out for the best for everyone. But one thing that stands out in that moment for me is um guy named Jack Irwin shout out to Jack he was uh I think he was like executive editor at Complex at the time or something similar to that right so you know probably second or third from the top and basically one of the things that happens when you're a writer is if you move up in the business aspect of it is you get to write less you know you're editing people's work Yep. You're you're defining strategies, you're you're putting plans together, but you're not actually getting the chance to write very often. And that was a big change for me because as I said before, I really love the writing part of it. That's what got me. I mean, that's why I went to New York. I was like, well, I'm getting to write for the biggest magazine slash, you know, website in that world by far at that time. Um, but had Jack not been transparent with me about that and said, look, this is gonna take you away from writing but this will make you way more desirable, you know, in the future in terms of like pay, in terms of like your ability to move, you know, from one part of the business to another or from company to company. Because one, one downside to being a really great writer is that you pretty much just write all the time, you know, and until you kind of move away from that. And I hadn't even thought of that, you know, like I was just like, well, this just seems like the right move up for me. You know, I don't think I got a pay raise. If I did, it was not enough to like make me change my mind <laughs> yeah. or anything. But it was just like, sure, like I love this stuff. I'm having a good time doing it. And, you know, like thankfully, like, you know, we kind of moved past a little bit. I mean, it was so minimal. And Russ and I are, you know, I still stay in touch with Russ. And I think that that transparency changed everything about the way I manage people and lead teams, right? Like I, I know it might not be the corporate way to approach it, but if people trust you and you trust people, you're going to be able to get through it so much easier than not. You're going to have less of the behind the scenes complaining. You're going to have less of the problems that come from a lot of corporate situations where people are looking at org charts and they're looking at dollar amounts and they're, and they're trying to kind of, you know, I, I get it. It's a game when you're yep. up high, you're playing the game to make sure that the company makes money. But there's so much value in people just being excited to be at work that you you can't put a dollar amount on it. You know, like you could pay somebody minimum wage, but if they come in and light up the room, that person is worth 10 times yep. what they get paid because everybody else wants to be at work when they get there, you know. And that's something that I really think, I, you know, like I try to try to find that in people when I, when I have a team, you know, find what they're passionate about because – it doesn't even have to be the same thing that you work on for the business. But if, if they can share that information and share that excitement, they're going to want to come in oh, yeah. every day. They're going to want to get people excited and people are going to want to work with them. So, well, I think that says a lot about you too and your character. I mean, I think I know you well enough to say this. I think you win when everyone else wins, right? Yeah. Like that's how your cup gets filled. I don't think you care 
I mean, man, you've got your initial initials on custom sneakers that were made at Soul Collector, right? I mean, and, and I don't think like you care about any of that and the notoriety and the recognition. I think you care more about everyone around you in that room and who's involved in that project that they get the notoriety and the accomplishment and the spotlight. And I think that you just kind of sit back and that's how you win, right? Is when everyone else in the room feels like they won, you win. Totally. My, my, my idea of success, you know, I, I've got to pay the bills just like everybody else, but my idea yep. of success is, is really measured by the amount of doors I can open for other people. You know, the, the amount yeah. of people that I can say, I was a part of helping that person, not just because that is what feels good to me and it feels right to me, but also like when you approach it that way, you know, people are going to hit you up and, and have opportunities for you down the road. You know, like everybody's thinking, Hey, this happened for me because, you know, Nick did this, that, and the other. And like, you just, it's just, I don't know. It's just the right way to be as a human being. Yeah. And it's the right way to be in business in my opinion. And you are one of the best to do it. I mean, seriously, man, like probably 75% of my potential guest list for this podcast is all because you've connected me right to those people and i mean just for no reason whatsoever just being nice and connecting and opening doors and i mean i've been into you know sneakers my entire life ran a website back in the day uh but i've never been more connected into the scene than after meeting you ever so hats off to you for just, I think you've got that givers gain mentality, right? You give first and you might gain later, but it doesn't matter if you, if you do or don't. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question for you. And before we get another air horn from my daughter uh, on her bicycle, I don't know what she's doing inside. So full disclosure, my daughter's homesick today. Uh, Nick and I have wanted to for probably months now to record. And I was like, there's no way I'm canceling on him because for whatever reason, him and we've both had things come up and we've had to. And I'm like, nope, this is the day. Uh, so I may, I may just keep her in, uh, cause it's just part of life. Right. So the raw and the real behind the scenes. All right, man, yep. if you had a crystal ball, where are you in five years from now? Where do you want to be? Um, you know, I think at, at this moment I'm really focused on kind of expanding my own stuff. Um, my ultimate dream is to, is to build a, I guess like the best example is like Fantasy Factory or Robin Big, if you remember that from the mm -hmm. MTV days. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've always wanted to do something very similar to that where we bring in like kids after school, maybe kids that don't have, you know, like my parents were working. Like I, I didn't, I would go play basketball or go to a friend's house or, you know, just the kids that need a little extra attention or a space to go do and be and learn. I would love to build a kind of, a fantasy factory for, for like content creation, you know, like let, let the, the people that the brands that need help come in during the week and let the kids come in after school and like use the facilities and have a yeah. basketball court or have a skateboard park of some sort. And I think, you know, like it's, it's really kind of core to who I am where it's like, I'm getting to help businesses. I'd be getting to help, you know, kids kind of understand the opportunities. And this kind of comes from sneakers, you know, like, you and I are sitting here and have had held wore many hats in the sneaker world now, but when we were 12 or 13 years old, what did we think we could do? 
we could either own Nike, we could be a designer mm -hmm. like Tinker Hatfield, or we could play basketball. And yep. outside of that, you didn't know that there were 10,000 businesses or 10,000 jobs at Nike. So yep. I would love to be able to like kind of help the brands, bring the brands in to connect with, with those kids and, you know, help them connect with other companies. You know, like there's so much of it's, it's kind of core to what I do, right? It's like, let, let companies have like a, a little place to have a little, you know, retreat from the regular office or something and, you know, learn the aspects of content creation and storytelling and maybe have a place that people can come and launch their shoes at or launch their, you know, new products at and, and be able to like bring people and, Part of that stems also from like being friends with Jacques and and Fomer and all of these YouTubers who have massive followings now where, you know, like I've I have a decent following with sneaker history. I'm not like the face of it the way they are their YouTube channels. Yeah. Right. Like people hear yeah. my voice and they know who I am, but they might not recognize me in the streets. And I think that one thing that I've really realized about the direction of everything for, you know, content and social and YouTube is these these people need a space where they can connect with their fans and you know to your the name of your show right like <laughs> once you've grown a fan base you can't just say 